We meet today in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to verse 29. We're still talking about the Christ, the fullness of God. In Christ Jesus, we are made full. Today, looking at the specific subject of the subjective work of Christ for the saints. In our last study, we looked at the objective work of Christ for the sinner. He reconciled us through his blood. We are reconciled to him. God is already reconciled. The work is finished. The penalty has been paid. It is now left for the sinner to come to God and receive what God has done for him, which he could not do for himself. Now, we are looking at the subjective work that Christ has done for the saints. That is now talking about how you as a child of God ought to work and walk with the Lord. And in your walk, by the way, he has already provided to enable you to walk the walk of faith. Colossians 1 verse 24 Who now rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. Here the redemptive suffering of Christ has no deficiency. I would like to point that out. But he does not exhaust all the suffering to be endured in the redemptive purpose of God. The suffering of Paul do not add to the finished work of redemption, but are incurred in making known the redeeming work of Christ to the Gentiles. That is why it was necessary for Paul to talk about the objective work of Christ for the sinner. In terms of being reconciled to God, that work is finished. But that does not exhaust all that the believer, the child of God, has to go through. The afflictions of every believer actually supplements those of Christ and lead to maturity. Hebrews 2 verse 10, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 talk about these things leading to maturity, but it also leads to patience, according to James 1 verse 3. And finally, it also leads to eschatological privilege, 2 Timothy 2 verse 12. Paul was suffering in his body for the sake of Christ's body. In other words, when Paul suffers for them, it completes the suffering of Christ. By the way, Paul is writing this epistle from Rome in prison, and he says he has fulfilled all his suffering. You may remember that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to Ananias the reason he had saved Paul and how he was going to use him. From Acts chapter 9, verse 15 to verse 16, we hear God's intention. But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, Paul was also to suffer for the sake of the name of the Lord. Now, when Paul is writing from prison, he says that this has been fulfilled in his life. That will also apply for any serious child of God. 
Remember, we are called upon to take up the cross of Christ and follow him daily. Taking the cross of Christ is even suffering for his name. For the cross is never comfortable, never convenient, never popular. In our discussion of this verse, I also want to make one thing very clear. The suffering of Paul were not redemptive. There was no merit in his suffering for others or even for himself as concerning redemption, salvation. Paul is very careful in this section and even his selection of words show it. When Paul speaks of redemption of Christ, he does not speak of suffering but of a cross, a death and his blood. You see, there are two kinds of suffering. The ministerial suffering and there is also the mediatory suffering. Christ's suffering for us was mediatory and Paul's suffering was ministerial. Actually, we can consider the suffering of Christ and divide them into two further classifications and there is a sharp distinction between them. We will do that simply to clarify this passage of scripture. There are the sufferings of Christ, which he endured, in which we cannot share. For example, he suffered as a man. He endured human suffering. He bore the suffering that is common to humanity. When he was born in Bethlehem at his incarnation over 2,000 years ago, when he was born, did he cry like other little babies that came into the world? I have wondered about that, and I rather think that he did, my friend. He was clad in the garments of the frail flesh that you and I have. He could get hungry. He could become thirsty. He felt the cold. He experienced loneliness. He suffered anguish and pain and sorrow. He could go to sleep in the boat because he was weary and tired. Those are the human sufferings that Christ endured. We all have these. We all have those sufferings. But we can never suffer with him in those. Actually, Paul wrote, For every man shall bear his own burden. Galatians 6 verse 5. You see, there are certain burdens that we must each bear alone. We are born alone. So was our Lord Jesus. We feel pain alone. There are certain problems in this life that each of us must face and we face them alone. There is a sorrow that comes that no one can share with us. We become sick and no one can take our place. There will come a time even when we will die and no one will die for us. Humanly speaking, we will each die alone. So Jesus suffered human suffering and this is a suffering which cannot be shared. The second suffering he could not share with us was also his suffering as the Son of God. Remember, he is God, yet he identified himself with many kind. No mortal has ever had to endure what he went through. He was made like his brethren and he suffered, but he suffered as the Son of God. Actually, we see this suffering in Psalm 69. It tells us in verse 11 and verse 12 that he was the song of the drunkards in that little town of Nazareth. And he said that he made sackcloth his garment. He was arrested. The soldiers of the high priest mocked him. 
they put a robe on him and a crown of thorns. He suffered in a way that no other human being has suffered. Why? Because he suffered as the Son of God. And then he suffered as the sacrifice for the sin of the world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And none of us can enter into that suffering at all. We can appreciate his death for us now. We can recognize the fact that he took our place, but we cannot enter into it. He alone went to the cross. He was forsaken of God and forsaken by man. His was not the blood of martyrdom, no. His was the blood of sacrifice. He suffered as a human being. He suffered as the Son of God. He suffered as the sacrifice for the sin of the world. And that suffering, it was just his own suffering. We cannot share with him. On the other hand, there are the sufferings of Christ. He endured these, and we can also share. These are the sufferings which Paul refers to, actually, in verse 24. There is the suffering for righteousness' sake. In the synagogue in Nazareth, his own hometown, Jesus said, But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. John 8 verse 40. Christ suffered for righteousness' sake, and we are told very clearly that we will do the same. First Peter 3 verse 14 tells us, But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, blessed are you. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, Yes, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution suffering for righteousness sake may i say to you my friend that if you are, if you are going to live for god if you are going to take a stand for the right you will find that you will be passed by god's men are passed by today even in the distribution of earthly owners the world will damn the man of god with faint praise and they will praise him with faint damns that is the way the world treats God's men today. Athletes are lauded. People in the entertainment world are praised. Politicians are praised and professors are honored. But the man of God is not praised. If you stand for the things that are right in this world, my friend, you will suffer for righteousness sake. Paul understood this and he wrote it. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Romans 8 verse 36. That will be the lot of everyone who stands for God, suffering for Christ's sake. Then there is also the suffering in the measure we identify ourselves with Christ for the proclamation of the gospel. John wrote in 1 John chapter 4 verse 17, Because as he is so, we are in this world. The Lord Jesus made it very clear in John 15 verse 18 to 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, if you are not of the world, the world will hate you straightforward there. 
the popularity of the Christian with the world is in inverse ratio actually to his popularity with Christ. If you are popular with the world as a Christian, then you are not popular with Christ. If you are going to be popular with Christ, I guarantee you are not going to be popular in this world. The child of God is to take his rightful place and identify himself with Christ. When we suffer for Christ's sake, the Lord Jesus Christ is also suffering through us, through his church. You remember when the Lord Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Acts 9 verse 4. That young Pharisee was startled and puzzled. Saul of Tarsus thought that he was persecuting Christians. He was shocked to learn that he was actually persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Peter wrote about our suffering in First Peter 4, verse 12 to verse 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fairy trials which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. How much are you paying to get the word of God, my friend? What is it really costing you? Are you willing to suffer for the sake of Christ? There is a suffering involved, my friend. Colossians 1 verse 25, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, the word stewardship means economy. Even by transliteration, it is a dispensation. We talk of political economy, domestic economy, business economy. Now, God deals with the world on the basis of different economies or dispensations, but they have always been based on the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. Before Jesus was born into this world, Men brought a little lamb as a sacrifice and they looked forward to the coming of Christ. They were not saved by that little lamb, but they brought the lamb in faith and they were saved by Christ who would someday die for them. That was the economy or the dispensation which God has set for the Jews in the Old Testament. We don't bring a little lamb for a sacrifice today because it is now an historical fact that Christ has already come. All we have to do now is to obey him. We are in a different dispensation, in a different economy or stewardship. The stewardship of God, which was given to me for you, actually Paul writes to the Gentile people who were in Colos. They are part of this new dispensation. The Gentiles are to be included in the church. Why was this given to Paul? In order to fulfill the word of God. This was something that had been hidden in the Old Testament, but now God has declared that the gospel must go also to the Gentiles. Colossians 1 verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. 
You see, a mystery is something that had not been revealed in the Old Testament, but is now revealed. We learn in Ephesians that the mystery was not the fact that Gentiles could be saved. That was known in the Old Testament. The mystery or the new thing was the fact that God would now put Israel on the same basis as the Gentiles. All men are lost. All men have sinned. All men have come short of the glory of God. Now God is taking both Jews and Gentiles, men out of all races, and he is putting them into a new body, which is called the church. So the church is the mystery because the church by nature is not Israel. The church by nature is built by people from all kinds of languages, all tribes and nations, all peoples of the world. That was never revealed in the Old Testament, but now is being revealed. Paul wasn't the only one who understood this mystery. God was now making it known to his saints in that day. And so that statement now has been revealed to his saints is very important. Colossians 1 verse 27 To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is an amazing statement. We are in Christ. The moment you put your trust in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes you and puts you into the body of believers. You and I have been brought into something new, the church. That is the mystery, and the church has a glorious prospect ahead of it. Remember that God willed to make that known. What are the riches of his, of the glories of his mystery? God wants, God is determined to make this known. Colossians 1 verse 28 and 29. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Friend, I want you to notice that Paul does not preach a religion here, but he preaches a relationship. He does not preach a dogma, but a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. This is why he said, Him we preach. For the gospel is not what we preach. The gospel is Him we preach. No man has ever preached the gospel who hasn't preached Christ. Because the gospel is Him we preach. Jesus Christ is the gospel. He is eternal life. And my friend, today you either have him or you don't have him. The gospel is Christ. What he has done for us in his death and resurrection and what he is going to do in the future, that is the gospel, my friend. Even when you read First Corinthians chapter 15, the first three verses emphasizes these points of what the gospel is. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and rose again 
on the third day according to the scriptures. So he preaches Christ. But as he preaches Christ, the gospel, what is he doing? He says, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. You see, there is the warning and there is a teaching. And all of this must be done in all wisdom. I believe there are two commands here for ministers of the gospel today. These are the two things that we should be doing. We are to preach the gospel first in order to win sinners to Christ and to save them from the wrath that is to come. And then we are to teach every man in all wisdom. In other words, we are to seek to build up men and women so that they may grow in grace and be faithful members of the body of Christ, the church. They are to be encouraged to serve Christ in their local assembly. Why again that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus? Perfect here actually means complete or mature. Oh, when we all reach maturity, that is the goal. This is the goal of the teaching of the word of God. For everyone to become mature in Christ. And that maturity is even evidenced in the context of relationships. How we speak one to another. How we save one another. That is the very subject of Ephesians chapter 4. Building the church and even the fact that the Holy Spirit gave gifts to the church. For the perfecting of the saints. You can literally say for the maturing of the saints so that they may do what so that they may do their works of service another word that paul introduced in verse 29 is the word striving and that word is important striving means to agonize paul is giving us his very personal testimony he says that is what i am laboring to do that is what i'm striving to do according to his working which works in me mightily oh my friend this should be the desire of everyone today who is working for christ that christ would work in us mightily to do two things to get out the gospel that men might be saved and then to build them up in the faith these are the two things that the church should be doing today these are the two things that every believer should be doing today how are you doing at these two, my friend? You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org